Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This to me is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Good morning. It is Monday morning. And will this be indictment week? Uh, That was the news, of course, that everyone was talking about over the weekend. Will Donald Trump actually be indicted in the state of New York? Well, my good friend and your good friend, Greg Jarrett, who, of course, is a legal and political analyst on Fox News, had a great uh, headline and article on thegregjarrett.com that you can read in the headline there is New York District Attorney appears determined to indict Trump on legally feeble charges. So Greg joins me this morning and he's also the author of the brand new book that you can pre-order now at thegregjarrett.com, The Trial of the Century. So uh, definitely go. I love all of his books. But Greg, good morning. And uh, what do we think? Will this be indictment week and the left gets everything that they've ever wanted with the perp walk? Or is this just kind of, um, you know, looking at the grand jury, something that finally Alvin Breck will, will walk back a little bit? Well, you know, I also have a new column out uh, literally minutes ago that <laughs> that says Alvin Bragg's behavior resembles Stalin's notorious tactics. You'll remember the infamous quote by his secret police chief, uh, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. And that's exactly what Bragg has done, uh, you know, driven by personal and political animus. Um, he just presumed that uh, Trump must be guilty of something, and so he devoted unlimited resources. And, and of course, the DA's office for several years investigated Trump. They really didn't find anything, so he, he did what Stalin always did. Um, he just invented a crime. And, you know, this is the most cockamamie legal theory I've ever seen, taking a misdemeanor, alleged misdemeanor, and supercharging it into a felony by bootstrapping some imagined campaign violation. The problem is that the chief witness uh, for uh, Bragg and the prosecution is, you know, the notorious Michael Cohen, a prodigious confessed liar, went to prison for, in part, his many lies. There's a new wrinkle uh, today, Jenna, Uh, A shrewd move by Trump's lawyers, Um, they have convinced the grand jury to listen to Cohen's former attorney, Bob Costello, who's expected to tell them, hey, wait a minute, my client claimed all along, Michael Cohen, that this uh, payment uh, to Stormy Daniels was for personal reasons not at all related to the campaign. Well, if that's so, there's no crime. So we'll have to wait to see what happens next. And I'm talking with Greg Jarrett, who is a legal and political analyst for Fox News and uh, the author of the brand new book, The Trial of the Century, that you can pre-order at thegregjarrett.com. And Greg, of course, this is legally dubious. And Alan Bragg, everyone will recall, is the um, inheritor of the office that Cyrus Vance uh, had held and had 
attacked uh, Trump with and with unlimited resources. And this is just a continuation of uh, this witch hunt, which ironically is, is the title, of course, of one of your other great books. Um, but, you know, th- this just proves how much the left is trying to get Trump and how this is weaponizing the justice system in order to try to shoehorn in a crime and something that they can possibly get Trump with. And my thought on this is that this really isn't about anything whatsoever um, criminal. It's, it's of course, not about uh, justice. It's not about due process. It's not about, actually, law enforcement. And I don't even know if it's really about getting a conviction because Donald Trump isn't going to exit the race. Um, he's not required to constitutionally. And I think that this is more like the Russia collusion narrative and the Mueller investigation that, you know, of course, you and I followed very closely, where they just, the left just tried to distract and drain Donald Trump's war chest for the 2020 reelection campaign. And he had a lot more high level donors uh, during that time. And he is, I think, struggling for money in this next uh, re-election bid. And, you know, what do you think about um, that whole angle of the left just trying on purpose to distract with all of these witch hunts and make him spend so much time, effort, and resources defending himself against bogus charges? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. That's uh, a component of all of this. Uh, you know, as a lawyer, I'm sure you looked at, uh, you know, the charges that we expect in this case, and, and you must have laughed out loud, as I did. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's totally concocted. Um, it's not a legitimate legal theory. Uh, but, you know, Bragg doesn't care because he's doing the bidding of Democrats. He thinks he's going to be the savior of the republic uh by stopping trump's run again for president you know he has to be stopped by hook or by crook because you know democrats view donald trump as the hobgoblin the eternal boogeyman and so any end justifies uh any malevolent means and so bragg exhumed this seven-year-old corpse of a case And, you know, it's easy to snooker a grand jury, the old saying, you can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, that's what he has done. Um, You know, I I think he's going to have a difficult time in front of a a judge moving forward to a jury, unless he gets the typical liberal uh, New York judge who doesn't give a damn about uh, the law. But, you know, this case ought to be tossed out. And, and frankly, if I were the judge, I'd sanction Bragg for his egregious abuse of power, the corrupt weaponization of the law for political gain. It's obvious, um, because there's no credible evidence. So Bragg contorted the law in this brazen attempt to inflate his case. And this is serious prosecutorial misconduct. And not only that, it's selective prosecution. I mean, Hillary Clinton did essentially the same thing that Trump is accused of doing. She secretly paid a million bucks to Christopher Steele for the phony dossier and listed it as a legal expense. Um, 
you know, she was eventually fined by the Federal Election Commission. But New York prosecutors never looked at the Clinton case. Of course not, because, you know, it's Hillary. Right. And and this just is is the very definition, Greg Jarrett, of malicious prosecution and weaponizing the justice system and the outrage that Republicans and conservatives and I think any reasonable person, even on the Democrat side, I mean, if this is something that a Republican DA was doing against a Democrat candidate that was just a political opponent, I would have the same level of outrage. But I'm a reasonable attorney that actually cares that my government doesn't do this kind of malicious prosecution and understands due process and what free and fair elections are supposed to be about. And so how do you think um, moving forward, practically speaking, this is going to affect the trajectory of the 2024 presidential election if Donald Trump is actually indicted. And, and obviously today we're, we're uh, seeing the reports of, the, of uh, Bob Costello, who is going to testify in front of the grand jury. I don't know that they would um, conclude and be able to return an indictment and move forward just procedurally as quickly as tomorrow, Tuesday, which is what originally the Trump camp and Donald Trump was saying on Truth Social. But even assuming this happens in the next week or two, how does this frame the the election moving forward, especially when you have some candidates that have weighed in and then other potentials like Ron DeSantis out of Florida, who hasn't. And in my opinion, I think that's fine. I think he's acting like a governor. He's not a declared candidate yet. But um, but I think that the the fervor of the people are saying, wait a minute, what, isn't anybody doing anything about this blatant misconduct? Yeah, as I wrote in my column, this is a brazen attempt by the district attorney uh, to interfere in the upcoming presidential election, trying to knock out Trump. And, you know, that should be left up to voters in a democracy. Um, And I do think that most Americans are smart enough to see through the veneer of this sham case. And it's altogether possible that Bragg's actions may have the unintended consequence of rallying even more support for Donald Trump, Uh, especially when they begin to understand that most of this was devised and created and directed by a now former assistant DA by the name of Mark Pomerantz. He was an outsider hired for the sole purpose of, quote, unquote, getting Trump. And, you know, he had the stupidity and arrogance to pen a tell-all book in which he openly vents his extreme hatred of Trump and says this is the reason why I went after and proposed this, uh, you know, rationale for charging him under this preposterous theory. You know, Jenna, as you know, as a lawyer, disagreeing with somebody's political views or having personal animosity That's not the basis for a criminal prosecution. And in fact, it's a serious breach of legal ethics. And Mark Pomerantz should face disbarment for his unconscionable conduct. Uh, But of course, he's a lawyer in New York, and the bar in New York is uber-liberal, so I'm sure they're privately cheering on Mark Pomerantz for concocting this crazy scheme to indict Trump. 
Yeah, and and this is where the weaponization of institutions, including bar regulation councils uh, in various states, really needs to be uh, looked at by Congress. There needs to be legislation surrounding this. There needs to be uh, more efforts to uh, to make sure that this kind of conduct uh, doesn't happen and that citizens are protected and and ultimately. Um, the profession is protected as well because, you know, as, as you know, Greg Jarrett, I mean, I even went through the same thing of a targeted bar complaint. And in the state of Colorado, it's a blue state now. It's not going to be um, the a state, you know, like um, like Georgia, for example, or Texas or, you know, some of these that would see this type of weaponization. And so depending on where you're bar licensed um, then depends on how you're treated with a lot of these um, either these bar complaints or the lack thereof of people who are misusing the profession. And so what, so um, in just the last few minutes that I have with you, what do you think of Jim Jordan's weaponization of government committee? And is there really practically any legislation that could be forthcoming as he suggests that can deal with some of these types of weaponizations of institutions? Yeah, I think Congress needs to act. Uh, unfortunately, Congress is now split. Democrats, you know, control the Senate. Republicans narrowly the House. But I agree that bar associations uh, have become political organizations. They no longer, uh, you know, are policing the improper behavior, unethical conduct by lawyers. Um, it's one of the reasons why I changed my status in California from active to inactive, because I refuse to pay an exorbitant amount of money to a bar association that is a political organ of the Democratic Party and turns a blind eye to uh, you know, the weaponization of the law by prosecutors in particular for political gain. Yeah, well, uh, and so I think Congress does need to act. Uh, I wish they would, and they should have done it a long time ago. But, you know, there are too many people in Congress who are just as corrupt as the lawyers who sit on uh, the bar committee. So I'm not terribly yeah. optimistic that this situation will be remedied. Uh, well, I hope we are more optimistic at the future of our country. But Greg Jarrett, always appreciate your thoughts. Thanks so much. You can get his uh, new book, The Trial of the Century. Pre-order that now at thegregjarrett.com. And we will be back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family. And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. 
And may he give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Michael Chigaris, Chief Judge of the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. His court has appellate jurisdiction in the districts of Delaware, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Isaiah 30, 18 reminds us of the importance of justice. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear God, we ask you to guide Michael Chigaris in his work on the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. When kids at Bloomfield Hills High School gathered for an assembly, they had no idea they would be bombarded with anti-Jewish rhetoric. It happened at a diversity assembly. A well-known Michigan activist was the speaker. She blasted Israeli policies towards Palestinians. She was also accused of spewing anti-Semitic rhetoric. Notice how public schools always target the Jews and the Christians. Her remarks were so vile, the school district apologized, not once, but twice. School leaders say they made a mistake by inviting the pro-Palestinian activist. They said there was no place for hate in their school system. Well, that's all well and good, but there needs to be at least one more assembly to undo the damage that was done by the first. Students need to know the true history of the Israeli people. And how about we ditch the diversity workshops and the pronoun classes and get back to teaching kids about English and math and science? I'm Todd Stearns. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Well, it's a Monday, friends, and we are talking about, of course, the pending and possible indictment that is, of course, pathetic out of New York and uh, Alvin Bragg, the malicious prosecutor that is uh, looking at the next witch hunt against uh, former President Donald Trump. And so my friend Tom Fitton joins me now for his uh, commentary. He, of course, is the president of Judicial Watch. And Tom, you know, I had Greg Jarrett back uh, in, in the last segment have you and this is reminding me of when um, all of us were on set on uh, Hannity when the first impeachment hoax came down and we did that whole special uh, you know one hour program and I think we're just getting the band back together because the Democrats and the leftists just will not stop this insane persecution of Donald Trump no and no president thank you Jenna has been um, has had to suffer through the uh, these investigations the way Trump has. There's been nothing comparable in American history. Uh, two impeachments, uh, you know, that fraudulent special counsel investigation, 
Now he's being targeted by um, a grand jury in Washington, D.C. for daring to dispute a Biden's election and over documents that um, an interpretation of documents law at the federal level that's never been pursued before against a, a, a former president. And you've got this grand jury scam down in Georgia, again, targeting Trump for disputing Biden's election. And, you know, there's a kind of a theme there, isn't it? A lot of election-related criminality alleged against Trump conveniently coming up at a time or metastasizing at a time uh, when he's a candidate and when uh, Biden's facing a tough re-election fight. And then New York, you know, the the, the icing on the cake is uh, going after Trump again on so-called election crimes uh, related to a confidentiality agreement or an extortion attempt, depending on how you read it, uh, with this uh, woman, Stormy Daniels, an analysis of the law that's never been applied before. It doesn't even fit the facts of this case, as I understand it as a... You know, not a lawyer, but someone who's been around this issue for a long time, and uh, uh, it's it, it you know to call it political, you know, is not really fair to politicians. It's an abuse of power, uh, and it's the sort of thing that ought to result in an investigation of the DA's office in New York. Uh, you know, this isn't this isn't politics. Uh, this is something darker. Yeah, and really, really well said. And I think you raise uh, a great point, Tom Fitton, that this is the same election-related nonsense in every single area that the left is treating Donald Trump completely differently than any other presidential candidate or former sitting president in American history. And there is that theme throughout all of these different investigations and witch hunts and hoaxes as as Trump uh, characterizes them, and I think aptly. And it also uh, is a manipulation of the law in all of these different circumstances in a way that is unprecedented. If we look at what um, what is being alleged even out of Fulton County, um, if we look at what's being alleged out of uh, the D.C. grand jury and now here out of uh, New York, it's all a manipulation and an expression and, and an attempt to manipulate the law in a way that's never been done before. And it's only because his name is Donald Trump. So how do you, uh, you know, and you and I both know uh, President Trump very well personally. And, you know, we were we were there at um, throughout the administration. And he is, of course, a fighter. He loves the man in the arena. Um, you know, that that um, statement, you know, from another former president. And how do you think then this affects him going into the reelection campaign in 2024? Well, you're asking me to put on my political analyst hat. I, I don't necessarily think it's as positive for Trump as um, uh, some of his supporters suggest it would be. It doesn't guarantee him his election. It's, you know, it, it, it undermines his ability to get his message out. Uh, you know, I'm just presuming he gets indicted and it kind of, and the indictment just sits out there, right? You know, I don't see it being resolved before he's president or before he's uh, uh, the next election. And, uh, and, and it's going to be a negative on him. How could it not be anything but a negative? Um, 
I just don't see it anything other than being a negative. Um, you know, neutral maybe. Uh, I don't see it positive though. That's for sure. And well, and you know, and that that breaks with some of the um, analysis. And I think you're right, and I agree with you on that. And I think that um, you know, there's a lot of um, fervor. I mean, on... if that were the case, just think about it. If that were the case, you'd be welcoming an indictment. I mean, no, no right. serious person thinks an indictment's a good thing for someone personally. Why would they think it would be le- it would be something positive for them politically as a result? I I don't understand the analysis. I understand kind of spinning it that way for political purposes, but. I'm not paid to do that. <laughs> right. And and I, and I think that that's totally fair. And unlike, you know, people on Twitter that's suggesting, oh, this is only going to make him stronger because, you know, they know that he's going to stand up to this. Um, I, I don't see it that way either. And even though, for example, Elon Musk um, tweeted, you know, this this will result in Trump being reelected in a landslide. Um, I was talking with, with Greg Jarrett in the previous segment about how, you know, this is – uh, intended, I believe, to drain the war chest of President Trump. And, you know, p- politically speaking, when you know, prior to Donald Trump, if you had a candidate on any level, uh, especially a presidential candidate that had even a cloud of a potential indictment, that was the end of their candidacy because the American people thought and and rightly or wrongly, at least um, in years past, that our justice system was actually fair and that an indictment would be a legitimate expression of the conduct that was alleged to have occurred, unlike this type of wholly political persecution. And so, you know, as you're looking at this just from a legitimacy in the law standpoint, and from the perspective of, you know, someone who, I mean, your whole organization, Judicial Watch, is all about, you know, making sure to hold government accountable. Um, How does this shape the landscape of how America's process and even our perception of legitimacy and justice move forward? Oh, I think it's very dangerous to the future of the country. It undermines our Republicans' form of government. By Republican, I mean uh, small r in the sense that we have a constitution uh, that's a republic. And uh, that relies on the notion that when uh, at the federal level, um, public officials exercise their authorities. Uh, they're doing it in a, in a relatively neutral way. And obviously the same goes at the local level. And, and here you have, I think for the first time, at least in the modern era, a kind of this brazen use of law enforcement authority to try to jail one's political opponents, namely Trump. And, uh, you know, if, if that's the norm, our republic's done. Yeah. And and this is what is really, really scary is that I think a lot of people in the reaction to this is rightly outrage and frustration because I think the average person just sitting at home watching this, knowing that it's it's a weaponization of government to target a political opponent like they have for the last you know six plus years of Donald Trump. And the average person thinks, well, what can we do about this? Because they're sitting back and saying, this is totally unfair. But what's what is the remedy? What is the the thing other than, you know, I mean, Jim Jordan has the 
de-weaponization of government committee that's that's investigating um, certain items. And he hopes and he said on this program that there can be legislation around that. I mean, you know, that will take a couple of, of years if if it even gets uh, passed all the way through. Um, but right now, you know, you have a, an out of control DA. You have, you know, the governor in New York that is doing nothing to um not necessarily to rein in the prosecutor, but at least denounce him and and denounce the actions to for the unity of America. But practically speaking, when the average American looks at this and they say this is unfair, what can we do? What's the solution? Well, you can support Judicial Watch. <laughs> uh, you can, as everyone should, of course. Well, Right, right. You can call your members of Congress, let them know that this is a priority for you. Call the president of the United States, let him know this is a priority for you. Uh, You know, the politicians are responsive if the folks uh, communicate and exercise their rights under the First Amendment, which goes beyond free speech. It includes your right to petition your government. There's a governor in New York. She's a Democratic governor. Call her up. I mean, she runs the state, practically speaking, when it comes to district attorneys. She can stop this. You know, none of this is inevitable. Uh, The federal government, Congress can defund the Justice Department to the degree it had a role in this process. You can bet they did. Uh, They can expose that role. They can fire those involved. I mean, there are all sorts of things under the law that can be done to restrain this. And I think this is worthy, as I said, of an investigation. Uh, Federal civil rights law uh, prohibits anyone uh, from messing with someone's civil rights in the exercise, certainly a candidate such as the president and uh, as President Trump. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, the Justice Department is investigating people for trying to push forward so-called electors that they didn't like. Uh, this certainly has a more substantial impact and a more clear-cut violation uh, in terms of being brazen election interference and the targeting of Trump, not because he did anything wrong, but because of his politics. And and, and that's that's a crime under federal law. It, it is just astounding to me that we continue to see each of these witch hunts continue just because his name is Donald Trump. And, and you're absolutely right that uh, the New York governor, Kathy Hochul, uh, really needs to come out on this. And, and anyone who is listening, you can share your views and you can call her office. The phone number is 518-474-8390. It's 518-474-8390. And uh, Tom, you actually tweeted that out just a few minutes ago. So thank you for uh, giving me that that phone number to have handy. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, how, why did you get it so quickly? <laughs> yeah, well, because I follow Tom <laughs> Fitton on Twitter, as everyone should, and I support Judicial Watch yeah. as well. So, uh, so of course, you know, you always give us great information. Um, but in, in the last few minutes I have with you, uh, Tom, and, and I always really appreciate your insights because, um, you know, let, let's focus on then the flip side of this, which is, of course, uh, the, the name Joe Biden and the Biden crime family. None of this is happening to Biden. He's not being maliciously prosecuted or persecuted just because of his identity politics. Or, or, or even, or even or, investigated as the law requires. Right, or anything requires. that is 
actually legitimately criminal. And so, you know, I'm so frustrated with all of these leftists that are like, well, of course, Biden's not being investigated because he didn't do anything. And, you know, you're you're just avoiding what, you know, Trump's actual crimes were. And they're completely assuming the salient question, which is criminal conduct. And when Biden isn't even being investigated at all, they can't possibly say that. So, I mean, so with this, the new Republican majority in the House, I mean, some investigations can occur. But um, but this is, I think, also a really important point that not only are we investigating people as just political opponents, but we're not investigating the people who have a, a, a subst- there's substantial evidence even just in the public domain of actual criminal conduct. Yeah, I kind of half joke that it's not a double standard; it's a single standard. Go after, go after the the Republicans and protect the Democrats. To be blunt, and uh, so there's a, that's the standard. They're being consistent, uh, which is to abuse the Justice Department to advance their political uh, agenda. And that means protecting Biden while targeting Trump and people who support Trump. And in the case of Joe Biden, I don't know if it's terribly coincidental uh, that we had this news break from Congress further confirming a money laundering operation. Uh, The documents, they have the receipts, as the term of art now is, uh, showing uh, millions of dollars being passed through a Chinese communist front company uh, and laundered in uh, to the benefit of the Biden family. And, you know, you can't investigate Hunter without investigating Joe. They've been sitting on this Hunter investigation and any charges related to it for years. And by the way, uh, you know, the Sessions and uh, you the Bar Justice Department's responsible for that in part, that obstruction. And um, uh, what a racket it is, not only what the Biden family is accused of, uh, but the operation to protect him from the consequences of that evident illegal behavior. And it's just, it's so mind-boggling that this happens in the United States of America. And and this is what's so frustrating, is that we're, we are operating, our, our justice system is operating like a banana republic. And so moving forward, um, in just the last 30 seconds or so I have with you, Tom Fitton, um, how can people support Judicial Watch and how can people get involved to do the things that actually matter to protect this country? Well, they can support Judicial Watch by going to our website at judicialwatch.org and making a donation or or as importantly, maybe not as importantly, but also sharing the wealth of and educational materials that we've uncovered, all the documents we're talking about on the abuse of Trump or elections and and, and, the tar- and and information about Biden and the vaccines and COVID and such. Uh, so it's important to support Judicial Watch, uh, but uh, also it's important to advocate with your your friends, your family, your co-workers, and get the word out and let your elected officials know. A hundred percent. And we are out of time. Tom Fitton, thanks so much. We'll be right back here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Greetings, everyone. I'm Dr. Matt Ayers, president of Wesley Biblical Seminary. Most Christians only know the Bible at a surface level. We believe it, but do we really know it? I want to invite you to join the Wesley Institute presented by Wesley Biblical Seminary. 
The Institute's a nine-month program that will give you an in-depth understanding of all 66 books of the Bible taught by seminary professors. You can join live from anywhere in the world or watch the class videos on your own schedule. To learn more, visit wbs.edu. That's wbs.edu. The loss of a child through an abortion affects the emotional health of families. Feelings of anger, sadness, and regret can be overwhelming, but there is hope and healing in the aftermath. Call the International Helpline at 866-482-LIFE to talk with someone who has been where you are and healed to help others. Your call is confidential. 866-482-LIFE. What is the source of America's greatness? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Alexis de Tocqueville, a 19th century French political thinker and philosopher, had this exact same question. On the heels of the French Revolution, he came to America in 1831 to investigate America's ascendancy. In doing so, he found that America's greatness did not lie in her economic system. It did not lie in her banking system, nor did it lie in her educational system. He found America's pulpits aflamed with righteousness was the source of America's greatness. He opined that America is great because she is good. But when America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Let us pray for a restoration of the flame of righteousness in our pulpits. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Sometimes you see a win, a glimpse of God in this broken world. Preborn rejoices in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Preborn's mission is to love and help women in unplanned pregnancies by offering them the truth to help them make the right choice by providing free ultrasounds. You see, when an expectant mom hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the image of her baby on ultrasound, she's seeing a life created in God's image, and it's a divine connection. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. And it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. To learn more about Preborn's life-saving work, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And of course, the top story today and over the weekend is the possible pending Trump indictment. And we will follow that story and continue to talk about that throughout the week, depending on uh, what happens with the grand jury today and uh, also what happens forthcoming uh, with a possible indictment. But we also want to make sure that we're talking about the rest of the news, because often um, being so focused on one story uh, lends to a distraction from other things that the left is doing that we really need to pay attention to. So uh, the other story that I think is very important we talk about that uh, was evidenced yesterday in on uh, MSNBC 
is this whole idea of wokeism. So former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, you'll remember her, uh, has a new show on MSNBC on Sundays, catering, of course, to the leftist base. And why do we care about this show? Well, because she did a whole segment yesterday on why the Republicans, quote unquote, war on woke isn't really a big deal. And she spent a lot of time, this was probably a almost 10 minute segment, but I want to play just a couple of minutes of this and listen very closely to what she argues. This is cut to. Blaming the wokes or wokeness or wokeism has become a knee jerk reaction for Republicans on any issue. Clearly, the term itself is a little bit ambiguous and has been subject to a lot of interpretation. But many Republicans have co-opted woke and increasingly used it to rally their base against their political opponents. In a decidedly unscientific analysis, we found that mentions of the term woke in Fox News articles skyrocketed just after Joe Biden became president. Imagine that. But now that the presidential primary process is heating up a bit, Republicans have gone all in on their anti-wokeness. They have elevated the supposed threat to such great heights, you'd hardly know this country faced any other problems at all. Just listen to some of the declared and presumptive Republican candidates for president. American freedom is under attack as never before. It's in the classroom, the boardroom, in the back rooms of government. The poisonous lie of equity, wokeness, and identity politics. This woke mind virus. Woke tyranny. Big media, big government, even big business have locked arms to advance a pernicious woke agenda designed to control the American people. You can't just say let it go because then we're going to be living under an oppressive wokeocracy. Woke supremacy is as bad as white supremacy. Wokeness is a virus more dangerous than any pandemic hands down. An oppressive wokeocracy. For Republicans, wokeness is public enemy number one. By the sound of it, there is simply no greater threat to American liberty. Whether or not they actually believe it, they clearly think it's a winning message ahead of 2024. And it makes you think, are they onto something? Should I be freaking out about how right-wing Republicans are co-opting woke and wokeism? My gut here is no. You don't need to be too worried about their war on woke because the Republican crusade against wokeness may not be as potent of a campaign issue as they may hope. And here's why. Most people don't think of the term woke in the way that Republicans would like them to. It's simply not the boogeyman they'd have you believe. A USA Today poll found that a majority of Americans, 56%, think of woke to mean being informed, educated, and aware of social injustices. That sounds pretty good, as opposed to being overly politically correct. So that was Jen Psaki on MSNBC, and you could almost hear just her scathing cynicism and making fun of wokeism. But this is why words and definitions matter. The left accuses us of not being able to define woke or critical race theory or even socialism or any of their leftist philosophies. This is on purpose because an idea is harder to challenge when you can't pin it down. So if we spend all of our time arguing about definitions, we never get to the merits. But Jen Psaki said something else very telling in that clip. Did you catch this? She said, should I be worried about Republicans co-opting wokeism? Then says, eh, it's simply not the boogeyman that the the right suggests. Well, how can you co-opt an idea or an agenda if it originated as a Republican myth? 
This to me suggests that Jen Psaki knows exactly what woke means, and she just thinks not enough voters understand the actual danger of the woke ideology. That's why she cites the USA Today poll that says 56%, a majority of Americans, think that woke means, quote, to be informed, educated on, and aware of social injustices. And Jen Psaki says that that's a good thing. But the lie here is that she thinks woke is a Republican boogeyman, or she's at least telling you to think that. But I think she understands exactly what woke means. And here's the definition. Are you ready? So get out a pen and paper so you can be prepared. If anyone asks you, don't be like Bethany Mandel or some of the others that freeze up when someone says, well, what does woke actually mean? Woke is simply this, the belief that there are systemic injustices in American society that must be addressed and redressed. Okay, did you get that? The belief that there are systemic injustices in American society that must be addressed and redressed. Jen Psaki is hoping that you miss the real target of conservatives against wokeism or this wokeocracy is that we reject the false idea that there are systemic injustices in American society. So therefore, we reject the left solutions to that mythical problem of systemic injustices. We reject all critical theory outcomes that pervade education, corporate structures, things like ESG, CRT, DEI, all of these terminologies that really just stand for one thing, diversity and equity over genuine equality and merit corporate collectivism and community collectivism over individual rights. So far from being a Republican boogeyman, woke is actually a leftist myth. This is why all the truly conservative leaders like Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, and all across the political spectrum on the right are saying that wokeism must be stopped. The war on woke is definitely a winning message for conservatives, but we have to be careful to be precise. Define everything. So the left has to argue the merits. Don't just speak in leftist terms or let them get away with pretending this is a vague concept. We have to be very clear with what we mean so that we can argue on the merits because we will always win against radical Marxist ideas that have always failed perpetually throughout human history whenever they've been attempted. So we have to explain to voters what we believe and win them to our cause. We can't just presume that people understand this and get this because Jen Psaki is on purpose saying that this is a vague concept. This is why worldview matters and why we have to take the time to study and think critically about our society. What is the biblical worldview of society? Philosophy, economics, law, law enforcement, government, healthcare, education, human rights, the list goes on and on. These are all things we need to be teaching our young people. We have to teach them scripture and the gospel. And then also how to live and think Christianly, rightly. Through the course of my career in law and politics, I'm often asked why Christians should even engage in politics. Why not just teach the Bible only? Forget about all that other dirty stuff and you know, politics is, is way too corrupt. 
Well, Nancy Piercy, who is a wonderful apologetics author who studied under Francis Schaeffer, wrote about this in her book, Total Truth, which I highly commend, and how Christians have unfortunately bought into a concept of this so-called secular and sacred divide. This is the idea that anything to do with exposition and teaching of scripture or ministry within the church is sacred, and anything outside of the church is secular like our nine to five jobs or, for example, politics. Piercy rightly rejects this notion of a secular sacred divide because the Bible actually rejects this as well. The Bible teaches that everything is made by God and that work is good. God ordained the three institutions of government, civil government, family government, and church government, within which we have to live and work as Christians. The Bible also teaches that there is a divine lawgiver, an objective truth. There is a measurable difference between right and wrong and good and evil. There is nothing on this earth and no philosophy or area of study that is not influenced by the biblical worldview and, therefore, in that sense, sacred. This is why I am not a lawyer that just happens to be, just in my personal life, a Christian. I am a Christian who happens to also be a lawyer. Our identity is in Christ alone. Yes, there are other attributes, other things that we care about, other work that we do, but our identity is in Christ alone. Every Christian is a full-time Christian and in full-time ministry. This is why law and politics and civil society are so important to preserve as objectively Judeo-Christian. Because if we lose the battle of ideas and let the woke left win, the people who believe that systemic injustice is baked into America, then we rapidly lose our individual rights and our ability to exercise them. So think about this. What does this do in instances like the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, where a Christian baker declined to make a custom cake that violated his sincerely held religious beliefs? Well, wokeism says you're going to bake that cake or be shut down. What happens to the pastor who teaches against queer theory or stands outside an abortion clinic? Wokeism says he gets a pre-dawn knock on his door from the FBI. What happens to the parent who doesn't want their child to be chemically castrated? Wokeism says, defer to the child psychologist expert that validates what the woke teacher said to your nine-year-old about what, when he feels like a she. What happens to the Christian who doesn't want to take an experimental vaccine? Wokeism says the government can compel you because what's allegedly best for the community good overrides your specific individual rights. What happens to the man struggling to find a job because he's 50, white, and male? Wokeism says give it to the younger, diverse person of color, even though the man is eminently more qualified. So Christians have to be engaged in every aspect of our civil society, not just the church, because wokeism has consequences. Ideas have consequences. And our founders did not establish a secular, sacred divide. That's what the left tries to argue when they misuse the phrase separation of church and state. Only this specific part of life, this compartmentalized part, can be sacred. Well, no. 
all our life and work is inherently sacred because we are Christians. We have a moral, biblical premise and foundation to everything we do, not just in church, but in society and in our lives. So we oppose critical theory being taught to our children and telling them to prefer one race or skin color over another or apologize for being a certain skin tone. We oppose hiring on the basis of diversity instead of merit. We oppose environmental, social, and corporate governance scores dictating our corporate structures. We oppose community theory over individual decision-making for best interests. We oppose genderqueer ideology and genital mutilation in all society and especially for our children. We oppose community guilt and reparations over individual responsibility and rights. We oppose wokeism. We affirm the truth of individual rights, a moral and upright society, inherent dignity of all human beings made in God's image, and equal protection not equity. And that, that Jen Psaki is a winning message for 2024. So what must we do as Christians? Well, the Bible is very clear. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 tells us to put on the full armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Stand firm. We will be here each and every morning here on American Family Radio to encourage you. Stand firm in the truth of the gospel of Christ. You can email us at jenna at afr.net. Uh, AFR you can follow us on Twitter at Jenna Ellis AM. Make it a great day and continue to always, always stand for the truth. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.